und so wird man in Deutschland beliebt. What's going on, everybody? This is the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, the podcast for cover band musicians and band leaders to learn how to rock more and suck less. In Atlanta, Georgia, I'm Adam Johnson. In Greensboro, North Carolina, freshly sprung from COVID isolation, Dan Ray. Yes. Yeah, so this is the second attempt at this episode uh, because our friend was in lockdown. He was in his Fortress of Solitude, which yeah. had a lot of uh, a lot of background noise, and it just was there was not <sighs> much we could do to fix it. So didn't, didn't work we like, well. Eh, we'll just uh, we'll hit this on a Thursday morning. We'll crank it out and. It'll be in your earballs by 10 o'clock tonight, hopefully. Yeah. Plus, the topic, as you'll see, is a little off the normal beaten track, and we didn't really have a through line when we did it. So I'm, I'm actually happy for a second cut of this conversation. Yeah. Second time's a charm for sure. Yeah. And uh, for those of you who are confused as to why I started the show in a different language, that is for our friends in Germany, who uh, we were the number 31 music podcast in Germany last week. So wanted to give a shout out to all of our German listeners. Uh, Donka Shane and um, Bratwurst to you guys. Yeah, yeah. Even though most of them speak better English than we do. Yeah, that's that's true. My favorite German word, Krankenhaus, hospital, Which, Krankenhaus, yes. and, and an ambulance is a Krankenwagen. Good times. These are good words. These are good words. How are you feeling? I'm better. I'm better. I went to a work conference last week and came home with the with the vid. Just, you know, a couple of days, a couple of days, and I was testing negative. I guess the new vaccine's... Must really help you knock it out quick because it was a much quicker deal than the last time. So, worse symptoms, not terrible, terrible, but like a heavy cold. But it did not linger, and I'm clean bill of health back in back among the living. So that's good to hear. Yeah, <laughs> it was a uh, a nice reminder to uh, to get that scheduled because we've got you know a bunch of stuff coming up, and I'd hate to miss it. Right, uh, because of being sick. Right, because I know you had to cancel your you had to cancel your Sunday show, didn't you? I did. I had a, yeah, we had to cancel a gig, and it was sad. So. It's never fun, but you know, it's the right thing to do. Yes, and, uh, yes, yes. Right thing to do. Onwards and upwards. Yeah. Let's see. This week has been pretty eventful. I got to see my favorite band of all time reunite for the first time in 22 years. It's awesome. I was talking with actually John Pratis, who's uh, one of our patrons out of New Orleans who flew up to see the show. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to meet up with him because getting downtown where the, the venue is, it was at a place called the Tabernacle in Atlanta. If you've never been, you, it is one of the most incredible places to see a live show. It's it's this old church from like the turn of the century. It lasts like the the one a, the century before. A century ago, yeah. Yeah, incredible place to see it. And it, um, so I, I, I went and saw The Marvelous Three, which is Butch Walker's band from uh, back in the 90s. And they were just like an Atlanta staple and are honestly the reason why I play music at all. Seeing those guys in 1999 completely changed the trajectory of my life, uh, which is not an exaggeration because... Here I am, you know, 30 some odd years later, I'm still doing it. So it it clearly had an impact. Got to take Amber and our oldest and saw all of my friends. And I was talking with Jonathan. Sorry, I looped back around. We were talking about it and it was like, this is probably the closest I am ever going to get to the feeling that Swifties going to Taylor Swift's Mm. shows feel like. Yeah. Because you're just around like, it's just a community of people who like all think and kind of feel things the same way that you do. And there's the shorthand and you're kind of in on this thing that not everybody fully understands. So it was, um, I would say one of the greatest concerts I've ever seen, you know, it was a band that's been not active. They had a fully modern show with led walls and light programming. And it was just phenomenal. Cool. I cried so much Awesome. in all the good ways. Yeah, it's great. It's nice to know that, uh, music can still move you. After all these years, you know, <laughs> you're not a jaded it's husk. It's easy for us to be cynical. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, sometimes you're seeing things like, is it going to bug me? Because I'm sure like they're running clicks now. And are those lyrics canned? Like the background vocals? Don't care. 
I was I was 18 again for like two whole hours. Nice. And uh, that was worth it all. Other than that, I've uh, been advancing a holiday party that is kind of strange and I don't quite have all the information with it together, but it looks like it's going to happen. It's going to get a contract out this week. And it's the venues like I could I could walk there from my house. So that's kind of nice. And um, I got a chance to talk with the owners of the venue, which happens to be a restaurant that I really love. And it's always nice to have, you know, friends and places like that. So more ups than downs, but uh, there's, we'll talk about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And then we had band practice last night and we're prepping for 80s ladies night at 37 Avondale next Saturday, 1111. And things are moving there. We we added two new songs we've never done before, which is uh, She Bop by Cindy Lauper. Nice. And I Hate Myself for Loving You by Joan Jett, which is just, if you just put it in your list. Yeah. Both of those are just bangers. It's dead easy and um, it rips. Just do it. And uh, yeah, I feel like we're all cut up now. Cool. So let's go into reviews. Now, here's something I feel like we've we've kind of missed the boat. Yeah. Uh, this is definitely an oversight on our part. So... You know, we've been saying, oh, if you want to leave a review, you can just go to Apple and you poor people over there on Spotify. You just can't participate. Sorry to hear that. Well, it turns out that you've been able to leave comments and ratings on individual episodes on Spotify for like, I don't know, six months or so, (laughs) maybe longer, actually longer than that, because we have one as far back as February of this year. So for once, we actually not for once. In a while, we actually have a bit of a backlog that we can talk through. So I'm feeling really good about that. So all of you Spotify folks, if you want to leave a kind word, you can do it on the episode while you're listening to it. Yeah. It's so much easier. So this one comes from Tonmi, T-O-N-M-Y. Not sure how you uh, pronounce that. But it says, uh, Adam and Dan are a real treat. I've learned a lot from their podcasts. There is so much to discover as musicians and the Cover Band Confidential Podcast accomplishes just that. Thanks for not sucking. Mm. Thank you, Tommy. Yeah, it's our, it's our privilege to not suck. Indeed. So like I said, if you want to leave a review, you can do it on Spotify now. And uh, we'll keep at it. We I got a couple more this week from other places. So there'll be lots to talk about in the coming episodes. Awesome. All good stuff. Yep. Speaking of some housekeeping stuff, I was approached a couple of weeks ago by a pedal company who uh, sent me some stuff and wanted to get my thoughts on it because they thought that maybe their stuff would be beneficial to our listenership and our viewers online. They're a company called Rockstock Pedals, and they make really interesting utility-style pedals. They're not necessarily effects or whatever, but they're really handy little doodads. And so uh, they sent me a couple of their wares, and I'm putting them through the ringer, and uh, we'll be definitely talking about them in future episodes and, of course, on the YouTube channel but they also want to do a giveaway. We haven't quite figured out the logistics of that, but if you want to find out about the specifics on how to win one of those pedals from us, go ahead and follow us on Instagram, which is at Coverband Confidential, just like everything else. We'll more than likely announce the giveaway and all of the specifics on how to win it over there. So uh, hop on over to Instagram, give us a follow, and stay tuned for more information about that stuff. Pretty cool. And of course, thanks to Rockstock Pedals for being kind enough to give us some stuff and share it with you guys. It's neat that we're starting to have the juice to pull things like that. It's that's gratifying. Got a little bit. We've had a couple, I've got a couple of companies who've sent some stuff and um, we'll, we'll continue to share things that we think are worth sharing. And there's been a couple of companies who have kind of dropped the ball and I'm not going to throw them under the bus just yet, but (laughs) just know (laughs) that not all, not all companies run their, uh, their stuff the same way. And I'll just leave it at that. Okay. So 
in the haze of COVID and just Dan's isolation, he came up with an interesting topic. Well, and I'll, I'll kind of let you kick it off and, and we'll kind of put some uh, some bumpers around it as we go. Yeah, there you go. So it actually came from the conference I was at the week before, which um, was a work conference. As I've said, I think I mentioned this when we were talking to the those uh, students in last week's episode, which was super fun, by the way. Um, yes. Could we please do that again? Seriously. If you are a... If you're a music industry professor, we would love to speak at your totally. Thing. Please let us. Totally, totally. But you know, in my day gig, I work in real estate tech. I work for a multiple listing service, uh, biggest one in the country, actually. And this conference I went to was about MLSs and companies that make software that sell into MLSs and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things that we are attentive to in that community is a thing called the Sherman Antitrust Act of 1890. So this just took a turn toward the obscure. I, I'm aware. <laughs> But it's important because that is a still very relevant piece of law that uh, is about preventing companies from monopolistic behavior. It's about preventing a variety of activities that would fall under that. It was the set of laws under which Standard Oil was broken up, the Bell system was broken up, Microsoft, their you know browser monopoly was broken up underneath the Sherman Antitrust Act. So it's very you know yeah. even though that was now a couple of decades ago, it's still quite relevant to to yeah. things. And and it puts limits around what we can talk about because in theory every MLS is a competitor with every other. But here we are in a room talking about stuff, and so we can never ever ever talk about pricing, for instance, because that would be a violation of the Sherman Antitrust Act. So we're really careful about that. And right. so I started thinking, you know, there's this whole other piece of my life where I deal with the matter of pricing and of competition. And uh, I just started thinking about what we can learn about the band market through what that law is meant to be aimed at. So, right. you know, one of the things that 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 law outlaws is the act of price fixing, right? Just vendors of product colluding together to set and fix a price for their goods. Another one, and I, I have never heard of bands doing this in a, in a community, but I, it, just to head it off, it's an interesting thing to just chat about, is a thing called bid rigging, where, you know, imagine you and the six other bands who commonly get hit up for corporate work in your area, decide you're going to be clever. You know, either you can all compete and somebody's going to win every gig at like 3,000, or we can pick who's going to win each one and everyone bid 12,000. And then the one person who's, who we've selected for this one bids five. So each gig now gets more expensive and we pass the work around our community. That is outlawed by the Sherman Antitrust Act. That's actually not a thing you can do. Yeah. There's a lot of that happening against government contracts around around the time the law was made. So that's where, sure. that, where that came from. Man, imagine, but like as terrible as that sounds, but imagine like, I always feel like as bands, like we don't really have that kind of leverage, but imagine if you had that kind of leverage, like that would be for That's sure, crazy. for sure. And, you know, it wouldn't be tough to set up the Facebook group to coordinate that, you know, that you, these days we have more power to do that sort of thing than ever. And uh, this is one of those things where like you had said initially, like, this is a bad idea. It's like, well, actually, the problem is that it's a really, really, really good. Idea. Absolutely. It's too good. Too good. So good. It has to be illegal. Yeah. 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 And, I you know, the, the point of all of this is to make sure that the market effects of of competition continue working and mostly competition works in favor of the consumer, right? So right. <clears throat> if we were to all the bands in the area get together and say, we're not doing hundred dollar a man gigs anymore. You know, the, the, the prevailing rate is 200. Now the bands could all a lot, you know, if everyone got together and do that now, we're of course dealing with musicians. So there'll be a lot of 
you know, people who are going to see that and then, oh, well, if I stay at 100, I can undercut everyone and get every gig. You know, there's right. a lot of that. The, the, but, but if we were to somehow magically get that kind of alignment happening in the market, we could flex our muscle against every booker and make the price for everything go up. I don't know whether we would actually fall under real legal scrutiny about that. The dollar figures probably just aren't high enough to be attractive to anybody who would care. Sure. But in principle, it's the kind of thing that this law would, um, would outlaw. All right. So I feel like we've kind of, we've, we've got a general idea around what the concept is. So let's go, let's go, let's zoom out. Let's, let's look at bigger questions and how it could be, I guess, interpreted for our listenership. Um, So antitrust laws, who, who are, who is it for? Who, why does something like that need to exist and who does it protect? Yeah. Ultimately it's about protecting the consumer. It's about protecting individuals who are going to have to, you know, pay more for their beers. If the entertainment costs more across the entire market, you know, ultimately all that money is coming out of end consumers pockets. And so the big picture here is that it, it, it prevents people from having to pay more for the same services solely because some cartel of providers colluded to raise all the prices. That's really ultimately the the the, the net net of that particular piece of the Sherman Antitrust Act. There's a lot more that isn't relevant. But, um, well, but you also kind of brought up a good point because it can also be used in the opposite way. Let's say we're talking about venue owners and they just decide that every band's only going to make a hundred bucks because that's what we're going to agree on. Yep you know, across all of these venues. So it, it can also be a way to, I guess, keep money yep. where it, where it, where it goes and not dole it out quite as much. Right. And I think, I think it's, um, the broader question here is not really whether the law is going to come get us or anything like that. It's not really what I'm talking about. It's just an interesting thought to think about how collective leverage works. It's a thing just mm-hmm. sort of to be aware of right now in terms of like bar gig pricing, for sure, the venues have collective leverage because they've all, you know, kind of agreed that we're a hundred dollar head uh, proposition and have been for the last 50 years. But it's also, there's this phenomenon called information asymmetry where one person in a negotiation knows more than the others. And that's one of the, what's one of the things that this collusion, collusion kind of activity is meant to work around. Like I know that the others competing, quote unquote, competing with me for a gig, we're all sort of in cahoots. And the person I'm negotiating with on the other side of the transaction might not know that and might be working in in a vacuum in terms of um, understanding the market leverage I'm bringing to bear. Okay. In our world, what does that look like? What, what could be, what could pass as that? Well, I think, I think the example of the market all sort of agreeing that bar gigs are you know, the price they are is, is one. I think that if, um, bands got together and sort of banded together to raise prices across the board, that would, that would be a way of using that collective leverage against the bookers. And, and and again, nominally, I think the law would have something to say about that, but I don't think in practice, any, anybody's going to get any real trouble for it. Um, Yeah. We've talked about it. Like, you know, where I feel like I, I know this, this got brought up on a past episode where like a band just getting started with like, email a uh, another band posing as a client or a potential lead right. to get their pricing right which is um gross but doesn't quite hit the threshold of illegality it's no kind of it's not yeah cool. kind of scummy and and you know one of the things that this implies is that while it may be legally questionable under the law that i'm citing here it certainly is a powerful negotiating place for bands to be transparent with one another about their about their pricing right because yeah. it, it enables us all to operate in an environment of more information right if, if you know right. if we 
know sort of where our pricing falls. And then, and then of course you, 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 it would give you the ability to say, well, you know, all right, their, their pricing is much higher than, but they roll with a full light rig. They roll with, you know, they got the horn section, all of that, like where my product falls, I can now price it commensurate with the product it is compared to other products. I would say that that kind of knowledge is generally good for the market because it would help that pricing and that product design be rationalized across all of the offerings in the market, right? So I I think despite what this law says, I would encourage bands to be talking about this stuff because because I'm on the band side of negotiation and not the booker side and I want us right. to win. That's one thing. But I think it's helpful for bookers too to be able to you don't have to go hunting for that band who's accidentally half the price of everybody else and doesn't know it. You, you, there aren't, aren't going to be the, you know, finding that hidden gem is, I, I guess, a good thing for them. But isn't it better if you kind of know, you know, better for budgeting, at least, if you can kind of know what the price range is going to be and what you're going to get for that. And it's pretty much level across all of the providers. It seems to me like that's a better place for a booker to work from. Yeah. And the big question would be, should musicians talk with other musicians about pricing? And I think the answer to that is yes. Yep. You know, we've got uh, a couple of closed groups on Facebook of musicians kind of in our world. It's, a, it's typically a way to trade gigs, but every once in a while, someone will be like, hey, I've got this thing coming up. This is what it pays. Or I've got a couple of back channels with other band leaders in my area where it's like, okay, this person reached out to me and it, they said they reached out to you also. What did you quote them? Because you you either, I don't know, in, in from my perspective, you, I don't necessarily, I don't adjust my pricing. I like the price point that we're at. Uh, I'd like to be a little higher because, of course, I would. Sure. But I'm also not bashful about what we charge to other musicians. And I know that there's plenty of bands out there that charge much less than we do. And whether they provide a commensurate product is, you know, up for interpretation. But I'm not at all bashful about the fact of like, hey, this is what we cost. And it can be difficult when setting expectations with people when like a client has reached out to another band first. And, you know, we come in at, you know, almost double or more what they were initially quoted, but I still feel confident that the product that we offer is worth the price that we charge. So, and it's, it's just a good thing to know uh, when, if you know that like you've got a, a, a group in town that charges a thousand dollars a show and you can kind of like say, well, we offer a couple of extra things. Uh, we have better production or whatever, and we have more people in the band. So maybe we can charge more than that. I don't, I don't think there's any problem with that. No. Uh, and it's still always a, a conversation around knowing what you're worth mm-hmm. and um, pricing accordingly. But more information is always going to be better because, I mean, there's there's all of this stuff where they tell, you know, it's companies kind of frown upon you talking with other coworkers about how much you, you make. But, but you should um, anyway. That's not illegal. You should anyway. Yeah. And the same goes for, for gigs around town. You know, if you play uh, a, a standing gig every week and they're paying you 200 bucks and somebody comes up to you, just tell them. There's no point in being precious about it. I mean, you can be, and you can you can look at every other musician as competition, but we've just chosen not to do that. Yeah. And ultimately, I feel like our market has benefited, and pricing is where it's at, and we don't have any problems commanding that price. All so. right. Right. So, go boldly, violate the Sherman Antitrust Act of 1890, and uh, yes, that's kind of the takeaway. To quote myself from late last week, screw the Sherman Antitrust Act. <laughs> yeah. In this context, just, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Just clip this and and use it. Uh, whenever you guys feel like canceling me. That's right. When you decide to run for governor, we'll, uh, we'll, that one will come back and haunt you. That's definitely on my horizon for sure. Yeah. Any other parting thoughts, words, acknowledgements, affirmations? Uh, just rah, rah us. Yeah. So, you know, general purpose affirmation. 
Good stuff. So for those of you checking this out, what does your scene kind of look like? Do you discuss pricing with other bands? Like what is the what is the conversation like in your area? Let us know. Coverbandconfidential@gmail.com if you're watching this on YouTube, leave a comment. You know, every kind of marketplace is going to be different, but the more you know about just the way that the, this kind of business operates in general, the better off you're going to be, the easier it'll be to kind of navigate new opportunities and that kind of thing. So it's all about sharing information. That's what we're here for. It's literally the premise of this entire show. So hit us up, let us know. And uh, I think that'll do it for this week. Yep. Thanks so much for tuning in. We appreciate each and every one. If you want to support the show, you can do all the stuff that Mike's about to tell you about. But we'll go ahead and call it for this week. In Atlanta, Georgia, I'm Adam Johnson. In Greensboro, North Carolina, I'm Dan Ray. You have been listening to the Carver Bain Confidential Podcast for the week of November 3rd, 2023. Hey, everybody. It's Mike Schulte from the worst name band in America, the Pork Tornadoes. I listen and love this show, and apparently you do too because you made it this far. No one makes it this far, but you did, which means that you owe Adam and Dan. This podcast is free, and you consume it to its fullest. It's time to pay up. Here's three things you need to do. A, you have to leave them a review on your podcast platform. You're already in the app. Click five stars right now. Write some words. Done. While you're there, share this episode to a fellow musician. There's a share icon on your podcast app. Text it to him and say, you need to listen to this. You need to get better. You're not a good musician. This will help you. Two, you have to follow them on your social media platforms. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Go find them and follow. And D, everything I just said is free and it's the least you can do. But here's where you can really support you. Join the Patreon. This is where you can actually support this podcast that you cherish so much. A small monthly donation gets you access to the Slack channel, which is the best place to be if you're a musician who wants to take your band to the next level. You have some of the best musicians giving advice and helping you out. And it's just a great overall community do it i'm serious do it now do all these things or else the pork tornadoes will come to your town book a show the same night as your band at a different bar i'm serious we'll do it <laughs>